Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour Voice Remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox Voice Remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. On this episode... As tragic events are going on in Maryland and Texas, Congress is looking to spend another trillion dollars. And it's funny, it's around the what eight-year anniversary of Obamacare being passed. So we're going to talk about that with Dr. Kevin Wakasey. And this is actually one of two episodes this week with um, Dr. Wakasey. So... All that and more on this episode of Trench Chat. the trend chat i'm your host brian bledsoe and if you want to connect with us whether on facebook instagram or twitter it's all the same name trend chat 24 7 and i write for politics.com if you want to read some of my articles just go to politics.com slash author slash brian bledsoe and don't forget about the book politics a clearing your call to political activism which is available on amazon and barnes and noble containing over 300 pages from contributors like myself talking about different issues about activism, healthcare, education, and my contribution is my article about becoming a delegate at the National Republican Convention in 2016. So, as I mentioned in the beginning, um, 
we've had a uh, share of tragedies uh, that are going on right now. Well, tragedies. <laughs> Just make sure I say that correctly. But um, we had a number of bombings happen in Austin, which as of today, the suspect has, um, well, has been found and has has been killed. He killed himself on a early Wednesday morning. And that's been going on for the past three weeks with the number of different um, explosions happening around the Austin area. And we also had a shooting um, in Maryland where in this case, the officer actually did their job. And, you know, unfortunately, because of what happened in Parkland, where you had these officers you know, decide not to go in in Maryland, that was not the case. Like I said, this officer actually did what they supposed to do. Um, it's not not saying like it's easy, but that's the job that you sign up for if that if the situation arises. So in any case, the officer actually went in and um, and shot, you know, this uh, the shooter. So and um, we had going to, we have both of these stories that are. Um, going on right now, well, at least being talked about. I mean, because like I said, both of this, um, both of them are dead. I think the, in Maryland that the shooter died. I, I actually just forgotten about that. I should have wrote that down. Um, but either way, we've had these um, had this going on, and at the same time. There's something else going on in D.C. as far as, you know, spending and which is nothing new. But right now, Congress is considering or at least on, at this point, they might have might be voting by now on um, a on the bus spending bill, which is over a trillion dollars. And it is. You know, like I said, with all these other stories, which I'm not saying like they don't like what's going on in Austin and what's what went on in Maryland, like they should not get any coverage. That's not what I'm saying. It's um, but it's also something what is going on right now, what is being considered um, definitely need to be brought up as well. And even before all this happened, I wanted to play this interview with um Dr. Will Casey because what in particular because with this uh spending bill is and I'm I just I'm just blown away by even looking at this but you have the Republican led Congress looking to bail out Obamacare essentially and you know like I, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned in the beginning, but it's yeah, it's the eight year anniversary. I guess you can if you want to call it anniversary, but eight years ago, <laughs> Obamacare was passed this week, 
And at that time, not one Republican voted for it. It was all, you know, it was all Democrats, you know, vote, that voted or I guess if you want to add an independent, but no Republicans voted for Obamacare. And yet here we are eight years later and we have the Republican led Congress now. Who I, I, I don't know, I'm guessing they're they saw that it's it's been eight years and they feel like celebrating Obamacare as Republicans and decided, well, let's uh, let's, I guess, quote unquote, stabilize it because that's what they're calling it. They're calling it. It's an Obamacare stabilization. That's what. <laughs> and this is from the same group of people who for all this time, I, I want I can't say all, but a vast majority of them campaign about repealing Obamacare or in all their campaign, you know, stump speeches and all that for the past, ever since it's been, ever since it's been passed, they've been saying that we need to, we don't need this, uh, a new entitlement or whatever like that. And now here we are hearing from pretty much, no, from Republicans now talking about stabilizing it out of the fear. Now here's the reason that um, someone bringing up the reason why they want to quote unquote stabilize Obamacare with these bailouts to the insurance companies. They want to, they want, they want to do this now because if they don't insurance companies have, I guess <laughs> threatened basically to raise premiums right before the midterm elections. So out of fear, these Republicans are saying, like, well, let's let's bail them out so we don't look bad during the midterms. Well, you know, you had an opportunity last year to repeal Obamacare and you failed. So because of your failure to repeal Obamacare, now you want to bail it out. Now you want to actually prop it up because you failed to repeal it last year. So, and it's not even, it's not just Obamacare. It's also continuing to fund Planned Parenthood. And there, there were a lot of different conservative proposals that were brought up and which were thrown to the wayside pretty quickly. And one of those things were, were um, defunding the Planned Parenthood. And they they caved on that pretty quickly now so that's off the table and like i said they just um they're using the fear that they basically brought on on themselves to now want to i guess bail, bail out obamacare and it's just amazing really to to even have to see this but that's the reason why I want to bring on Dr. Casey because we talked in length, you know, not only about his two books, but we just talked about Obamacare and why we need to continue on this path to repealing it. I mean, we're go we were going in that direction, especially with the tax um, tax cuts and with that repealed the individual mandate. You know, as a whole, it's still, you know, 
Obamacare is still, I guess you could you well you could say law of the land. So, but it seems like we're going backwards on that now because I know these Republicans are scared about having bad press right before the midterms, and and I say again, it's their own fault because of that. So. Before um, you know, before I get to our, our interview, well, like I said, the beginning of two parts, and the second part would be on um tomorrow, which is uh, you know if you're following Trench at all these you know episodes, I guess you're noticing this might that this is posted on a Wednesday, which is normally you know normally either Tuesday and or Thursday, but actually with what happened yesterday with the, with the shooting and, and all that, I just, just decided, well, given the fact I'm going to do two episodes anyway, I just do it Wednesday and Thursday. So anyway, before we uh, get to that, let's hear from my friends with the founder project. Hello, trend chat listeners. If you like the founding projects, civics education video series civics for all ages and our educational meme series we think you will love our new website join us at thefoundingproject.com and be a part of the civics movement the founding project is a 501c3 education nonprofit please join us today hello this is trend chat and we are pleased to have Dr. Kevin Wilkesey with us. Um, he is the author of two books, one, The Guide to Buying Health Insurance and Healthcare, and Healthcareonomics 101, Any Questions? 500 Ways You Are Ripped Off by the Health Insurance and Healthcare Industries. How are you doing, good doctor? I'm doing good, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So first off, I guess I wanted to ask you about these two books and kind of give us an overview of what they're about. Basically, the title is sure. kind of saying that, but just give us a little more on, <laughs> on those. Well, actually, I think the title of the first book, The Guide to Buying Health Insurance and Healthcare, that's a pretty dry one. It, I don't think that's done much for sales, and I'm sure if I had an agent or somebody, a marketing expert, they might advise me to change it. But really, that the title says it all. I mean, in today's day and age, when health insurance is uh, one of life's biggest expenses for people, you know, when health insurance premiums are rivaling mortgage payments now, uh, something's got to give. And so what I did uh, a few years back, I realized just kind of out of the blue, I've been practicing medicine since 1994. But about 15 years ago, I realized out of the blue that, uh, you know, it's not the cost of health care that are outrageous, it's the charges. Um, you know, there's no such thing really as a $12 aspirin, no matter how much you get billed on your hospital bill. There's no justification for, for aspirin tablets being billed at $5, $10, $12 each. Um, and so I started thinking to myself, what is it that caused this? How did we get here to where aspirins are literally being charged at $12 a piece or, or what have you, you know, $580 for some air to be passed through a machine that's a medical device? Why is it that the prices of healthcare are so outrageous and so crazy? And, and I started asking myself questions and uh, really pouring a lot of thought into it because I practice medicine, right? I practice healthcare and I know that the healthcare that I deliver just isn't that costly. 
Um, so why is it that that it is so costly in our in our healthcare system? And and the answer was pretty clear to me that it was the health insurance industry that had gotten involved and sort of made itself the arbiter of all things healthcare. You know, 40 years ago with the advent of managed care on the HMOs that came around back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, that did nothing but drive the prices of health care up and up and up through the roof. And the more I thought about it, the more I wondered, you know, what, how did we get here and what, what can be done about it? One of the things I stumbled upon was the idea, and I shouldn't say I stumbled upon it, but uh, it just kind of came to me one day in a revelation that, you know, these high deductibles on these health insurance plans are a real game changer. That's something that has changed the landscape of of our healthcare system. In other words, you know, Brian, can I ask you how old you are, man? Do you mind if I ask you how old you are? I'm 37. 37. I'm 49. So both of us, you especially, you never knew any system other than the HMO slash managed care system. When when your parents took you to the doctor when you were little, they probably paid a little $5 copay, and that was it. The health insurance companies took care of the rest of it. Um, I'm old enough, unfortunately, to remember a time before all that when my mother actually wrote a check to the doctor, but then quickly thereafter in the 70s and the 80s, the managed care industry took over health care. And um, how they did that was, a, was a, a, a combination of genius and guile and buying off Congress. And what has ended up happening is the health, health insurance industry took control of the health care industry, and contrary to what we hear every day about the, the the reasons behind the, um, the high prices of healthcare. I, I have a chapter in my book I call the usual suspects, in which I go over some of these usual suspects, these usual excuses that get uh, trotted out every time the uh, people in the media question, you know, why are aspirins twelve dollars each? I have a list of these things, and I love to hear them say that it's the elderly. You know, the the cost of taking care of the elderly is so crazy, uh, and you know. But that doesn't really explain why aspirins are twelve dollars each. It just means that if you're spending at twelve dollars a piece on an aspirin for elderly patients, you're spending a lot of money. Same thing for the chronically ill. Uh, that gets touted a lot as a usual suspect. Um, uh, malpractice premiums, malpractice jury awards, and malpractice settlement cases. The care of the uninsured is something that gets thrown around a lot. As as you know, well, we got to rob Peter to pay Paul for taking care of Peter, since Peter doesn't pay his own bills, his own medical bills. And so that's the reason why health care and health insurance is so expensive. That's a, an excuse they use. And my favorite use is technology, Brian. As as I sit here and talk with you across, you know, we're probably a city away from each other, and you're recording this, and you're going to put it on a podcast on the, on the Internet. And all this technology didn't exist 50 years ago. You know, it was technology that only James Bond could have dreamed of 50 or 40 years ago. Hmm. And yet it's it's here, it's accessible, and it's it's cheap for the most part, the technology that we use every day. Well, the same should be applying to healthcare technology. Healthcare technology is pretty uh, pretty widespread. It's pretty awesome in certain cases, and it ought to be inexpensive, but it's not. And the reason that it's not has nothing to do with the technology itself. It has everything to do with the health insurance industry. And what I what I sum up in my my book chapter, The Usual Suspects, is I say that just like the usual suspects that get brought up and rounded rounded up and brought down to the station and line up. Um, while they all may have been present at the scene of the crime, none of them actually pulled the trigger and caused aspirins to be priced at $12 a piece. And what did do that was the health insurance industry. When they took over paying for all of our health care back in, the, again, the 70s and the 80s with the $5 copay, 
that took all the efforts at price controls and threw them out the window. In other words, if if I'm purchasing a service from you, Brian, and I'm not paying for it, somebody else is paying for it, then I don't really care what you're going to charge for that service. I mean, I hope you can agree with that. It doesn't matter to me what, what Brian wants to charge. Somebody else is going to pay for it. That's exactly what got us where we are today, where you know, week-long stays in the hospital will run you $100,000. That's just crazy. I mean, uh, don't tell me that there's enough equipment and, and staffing or what have you in a hospital to justify a $100,000 charge for a week in a the hospital. There's just not. So I started thinking about all these things, and I decided that, you know, since this is something that makes the news every day, and since it is something that impacts the majority of Americans, especially working-class Americans, every month, if not every day of their lives, it certainly impacts them every paycheck when they pay their health insurance premiums. I, I decided, you know, i got to do something about this. So I, I came up with the book, The Guide to Buying Health Insurance and Healthcare. So from that, how much time was in between the first book and the second book? Well, um, <clears throat> the second book is an interesting story. It's uh, um, uh, The first book, let me back up a little bit and say the first book is extremely serious and yet at the same time, it's not serious. I, I approach this from a, there's there's very few charts or graphs in that first book. It's not a dry book talking about stodgy, stuffy doctor things or financial forecasts. What I try to do is, you know, I'm I'm the son of a butcher and and a, a cashier at a grocery store. So I'm I'm Mr. Just plain old guy. I mean, I wasn't uh, Ivy League educated. Not, not that there's anything against that, but I like to speak in plain layperson's terms as much as I can. And when I'm when I'm explaining things to my patients, I really like to take that attack or take that approach as well. And and they they enjoy it. They 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 really uh, value that that I'm able to communicate with them. What I do in my first book is I try to bring that across as well. There's just tell you a story about how the health insurance industry took over healthcare, what that did to the prices of healthcare, how the health insurance industry has changed, and now how you can save money on both health insurance and healthcare. But in the second book, that is a much, much different piece of work because uh, that is basically a compilation of 500, and I'm, I'm going to broaden that uh, at some point in the future. I'll probably make it 1,000 now. But uh, right now, it's it's a, a collection of 500 witty little aphorisms and just sayings that uh, mirror a lot of my, my social media postings. For instance, I, I put in there, how do you turn a $100 doctor visit into a $20 copay? Uh, you buy an $1,800 a month health insurance plan. <laughs> and so what I'm trying to do with that second book is make people laugh, but also get them to think about just how absurd a lot of what we view health insurance and, and health insurance's role within the healthcare industry is. So it took me about, uh, I would say it took me about seven or eight months in between uh, to write the second book. It took me a couple of months of just sitting there on my couch day and night, hammering it out to write the first book. I already had it pretty much in my head. I just needed to organize it and put it into chapters. But the second book it took me a while to uh, write it because I had to come up with all these witty little sayings and there's some poems in there, et cetera. But, uh, you know, I like to say it'll make you laugh, but it'll also make you think. One, one of the sayings I have in the second book, Healthcare Anomics 101, is, um, you know, I know plenty of people, uh, I know of no one who would let a company tell them what they could or could not put on their pizza. But I don't know of anyone 
who who doesn't mind letting a health insurance company tell them which doctor they can or can't see. Now that's ridiculous when you think about it. That's really an absurdity that if you step outside that box, if you step away from that situation and you look at it as an outsider's perspective, you scratch your head and you say, I can't believe that I used to think that way. I can't believe that I used to think it was cool that an insurance company could or could not tell me uh, you know, that I can't have a test that my doctor wants to order. When you think of that through, I mean, everybody gets mad about this. Don't get me wrong. Everybody gets upset when it happens to them. But just the absurdity of having a system where you know you go to your doctor, you trust in your doctor to help you out, your doctor wants to do something for you, and then it has to go through somebody who may or may not even have a college degree, certainly not a medical degree, uh, at the insurance company who, who gets to be the final decision maker and whether or not they're going to pay for a test. And here's my point about this, if I may. I know you're not talking a lot in this podcast, and I'm sorry about that. But, no, not the no um, problem. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of grandstanding here. I apologize. <laughs> I don't mean it's your podcast, yeah. man, but, but uh, you know, one of the big points I really like to make, Brian, is this, and you and I have talked about this on a couple of occasions ourselves, is that really if you, okay, let me give you an example here, and let me illustrate this with an example. I had a lady who came in one time, this was a couple of years ago, and she had a five-month history of a dry cough. She'd been coughing throughout the summer, just this dry little hacking cough. Uh, no fever or anything like that, no weight loss. Well, you know, one of the suspicions is when you do that, you gotta you got to look and see what's going on in the lungs. So I sent her for a chest X-ray, and she came back, and the chest X-ray report said that she had a little fullness on the left side of her what's called hilum. In other words, it, it's suspicious for a potential cancer, a potential mass in there. Well, let me just say that that got her attention and got her husband's attention, and he rushed up to the office, and they're sitting there wringing their hands in front of me. And what do we do? What do we do? How do we check this out? We don't want her to have cancer, obviously. Nobody does. So I said, well, they, they recommend that we do a CT scan. So I'm going to order the CAT scan. I'm going to order the CT scan of your chest. It's a painless procedure. It takes about a couple of minutes. You lie in there on the board. No big deal. But I'm going to order it. That's the easy part. How you pay for it, though, is going to be a decision you guys have to make. Now, let me give you both of your options here. <clears throat> Pardon me. If you go through door number one and you go through your health insurance plan, now I have to give you a little background on these folks. These are no slouches. These people own a chain of several Mexican restaurants that your listeners in the Dallas-Fort Worth area are probably familiar with. And so they are they are not uh, you know rich as, as uh, Bill Gates, but they are certainly not poor off. Nevertheless, they do have a health insurance plan that has a $5,000 deductible. And she had not met a penny of that for that year. I think this is 2015 this occurred. So I said, well, look, you have a health insurance plan that has a $5,000 deductible, and you haven't met that. So if you choose to use your health insurance to go get this CAT scan through, then that's fine. But i got to tell you, I'm since I don't take health insurance in my clinic here, I'm an out-of-network provider. They're not going to cover the, the, the order. They'll probably make you go through somebody in your health insurance network, a doctor or a nurse practitioner or something like that, and they will order a CAT scan on you. Then you'll have to go get it done. That's probably going to take a week or maybe two weeks. It just depends on how, how fast you can get in to be seen by somebody. Then once they order the CAT scan, you're going to get hit with the full bill for that CAT scan. And since we're talking about the traditional health insurance slash health care marketplace these days, 
with, where there's no price transparency, who knows what that bill is going to be. I can almost assure you, though, that it will be in the 1000 to 2000 to potentially $3,000 range. And since you haven't met your deductible, you're going to be hit with every penny of what's owed on that. Mm. So that's behind door number one. What's behind door number two is you can go right back over there to the same imaging center you came from. They've, they've got a slot. We've already called them. They can get you in right now. And you can get the CAT scan done today for $270 cash. Now, what would you rather do? Now, what do you think they did? I mean, yeah. obviously, they picked door number two. They went back over there. They paid them 270 bucks, And guess what? The thing came back negative. It was just a shadow in the x-ray. That lady slept. In other words, no cancer, no scare there. just was an unexplained cough. That woman slept better, and her husband, they slept better that night than they had in weeks, I assure you, safe in the knowledge that she was safe from cancer. So our healthcare system doesn't have to operate the way it does, in which it's very impersonal, it's very rule-oriented, you have to get clearance from three different parties before you get a test run that your doctor thinks you ought to have. It doesn't have to be that way, Brian. And the only reason it is that way is because people still rely on their health insurance plans to coordinate all of their care for them. Yeah. Well, if people are just... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that one example right there is just Make a believer out of you. Yeah, it, it's just a case right there. In, in one sense, it's just of hearing about the the bureaucracy that goes into just um getting yeah. a triple CAT scan and how much That's regulations crazy. and everything that goes into that adds up into right. the cost of just getting right, that. Right, right, So, when the reality is, you know, two hundred and seventy bucks. And guess what? If there were imaging centers competing with each other for that woman's business. It be it wouldn't be two hundred and seventy dollars. I promise you, it'd be a lot cheaper than that. Yeah. So yeah, the 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 idea that the that CAT scans are you know very inherently costly things is just it's just nonsense. And so the health insurance health and health care system we have now is very inefficient. It's profit driven, and the way these health insurance companies make their money is by making sure that you don't spend their money. And uh, whereas to me, okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna skip around a little bit here and say this that to me. What we had during, you know, your childhood and most of my childhood, during your life and most of my life, I should say, <clears throat> throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even into the 2000s, what we had, Brian, wasn't really health insurance. What we had was prepaid health care. In other words, you pay a premium to have this so-called health insurance, but then if your exposure was only a $5 copay, you know, and a $200 deductible, that's not insurance. That's prepaid health care. Yeah. But nowadays what we have with the $5,000 deductible is what we have today is much more along the lines of an insurance product, very similar to, say, your homeowner's policy or your uh, car insurance policy or, or, God forbid, the life insurance policy that nobody wants to use. But the bottom line is health insurance has joined the ranks of these other types of insurance now that it's truly an insurance product. In other words, it's something you pay for, but you're going to hardly ever get to use it anymore. And, and the reality is we shouldn't want to be using our health insurance plans. I mean, the same person who will, um, you know, if we have a fender bender, the same person who will get out of the car and say, hey, look, my cousin owns a body shop. You know, we don't have to report this to our car insurance company, do we, because I don't want to raise my rates. That same person will go to an ER for a sore throat and expect their health insurance to pay for it. 
and and not even think about the rise in premiums that that's going to that kind of behavior causes. So we've got to get to a point where we're treating health insurance the same way as we look at and treat our other forms of insurance, and that is it's something we have, and it's very wise to have it. It's smart to have health insurance, but the way we use it is dumb. The way we expect it to take care of all of our, our, our everyday common colds and routine stuff is just dumb. We don't use any other insurance product like that. And here's the kicker. High deductibles have changed that game. High deductibles mean that you can't use your health insurance like that anymore. I don't care that you're paying 1800 bucks a month for it. The chances of you actually getting to be able to use your health insurance are not something you want to do because that would imply a medical catastrophe or something of that nature. So back to my point again, we have two health care, we have two ways of doing your health care these days. You can either one, run through the health insurance plan for you know most of your stuff, or two, you can just pay directly out of pocket for most of your stuff and save substantially by doing that and get better customer service as well and then save your health insurance for the big stuff, for the cancer diagnosis, for the car accident, for the trauma, you know, the, the accident where you break your leg and you need surgery. That's what health insurance was meant for and that's what they're trying to be nowadays. The only problem is they're still charging you an arm and a leg for these policies that don't cover much. And given what you just said as far as treating, you know, health insurance like, you know, any other insurance, I guess the one one question I want to ask is that I can, anyone that is hearing this that think, you know, you know, healthcare is a right or something like that, they will think, they will say something like, well, health insurance is different than car insurance because you're dealing with human beings. <laughs> and what would you say to those those people that want to make that argument? Well, it depends on what they're trying to say. I mean, if they're talking about, uh, you know, I got into a little discussion the other day on Twitter with a gentleman who I think he's an actuary, uh, actually, or maybe he's an economist, I can't recall, but he was saying that, you know, there that a car, you can total out a car and you have a finite expense on it, and so, you know, the health insurance company knows that, you know, they're only going to be on the hook for, you know, $50,000 or whatever the policy limits of your liability are if you smack somebody and they have, a, you know, they have medical costs. So there's finite uh, uh, rules about how much the health in, or how much the car insurance exposure is. Same for your homeowner's insurance. And I get that. Now, one thing that Obamacare was, it eliminated that for the health insurance industry. Obamacare erased the concept of lifetime maximum limits. I remember the health insurance plan that I carried for 15 years had a, had a, I think it was a $1 million or maybe a $2 million lifetime cap. So it was very similar to a car insurance product or a homeowner's insurance product in that my health insurance company knew that anything above $2 million bucks or a million bucks, whatever my lifetime maximum was, they, they were off the hook for it. They didn't have to cover it. So they had a finite expense uh, attached to their health insurance plan. What ruined that was Obamacare. Now, the question becomes, you know, well, that's pretty inhumane, and Obamacare did the right thing. Well, no, not really, because when you think about it and you, and you, and you, and you look at this, <clears throat> pardon me, a million dollars is a lot of money, okay, to be spending on something. Now, if I have an accident and I go to a hospital under today's current health care prices, I'll eat up a million dollars in a month, maybe. Maybe maybe two months it'll take me to eat up a million dollars. Now we'll have met my lifetime cap the, if, if I had a policy of that nature still. But here's the deal. Lifetime caps don't have to be scary if the prices of health care were realistic. In other words, let me explain this to you without, without going off topic here too much. This all ties together. 
Americans spend $3.2 trillion a year on health care, right? Mm-hmm. That's the current going figure, $3.2 trillion. Well, hey, Brian, man, at $12 an aspirin here and $12 an aspirin there and $100,000 for a week in a hospital here, pretty soon you're talking some big money. So to me, the question becomes, how much is that $3.2 trillion really uh, indicative of? I mean, what is the, what's the real cost of that? Because it's not anywhere near $3.2 trillion, I might add. I mean, if, if we were to price aspirins at, say, a nickel apiece, or price, um, you know, a surgical procedure, an outpatient surgical procedure, instead of charging $30,000 for that, we charge $4,000, something that is much more of a reasonable price. I'll bet you that $3.2 trillion would be cut by 50, if not more, percent overnight if we got back to a realistic pricing system. And so the same thing applies back to the question about, you know, comparing car insurance with health insurance. As long as the insurance company has a finite exposure, I doubt there are too, too many people, if healthcare prices were reasonable, as they should and will be at some point in the future, um, and we can get into that here in a second as to why I think that's going to happen. But um, once healthcare prices, once the healthcare bubble bursts and we get a reset within the healthcare industry, much like we did in the housing industry and much like we did in the oil and gas industry back in the 70s and the gasoline industry back in the 70s, once that happens, the odds of you hitting your $1 million, $2 million, whatever you decide to purchase lifetime maximum, are going to be pretty slim. I mean, so it's something that I think insurance companies would be willing to take a risk on. And I will say this, that once you hit the million-dollar cap, should we throw you out in the street and let you die? No. But there are all kinds of government safety nets in place for the relatively few people, okay, statistically speaking, across the nation who would experience such calamity every year in any given year. There, there are already government assistance, you know, Medicaid programs, uh, disability programs in place to help care for those needy people. Uh, but, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, it happens to people. Fortunately, though, that kind, of, that kind of disaster happens to very few people, statistically speaking. And so that is something that I think society uh, could easily bear the burden of, of helping with the cost on. But but this idea that you know we need to uh, we need to insure everybody with no lifetime maximum limits that does nothing but encourage hospitals to overprice their stuff uh, ad infinitum, I mean just forever. Yeah, and so I guess in, um, one thing that would I guess would help as far as that reset that you just mentioned would be with the new tax law. Uh, one of the things in there was that the, uh, the mandate for Obamacare was repealed. Now, what yes. is that one of the things that you were talking about? And that's the cliffhanger right there, because we'll continue our conversation tomorrow. So if you want to get the answer to that question, you have to tune in to, on tomorrow's episode. Now, I know we um, we talked about his two books there and kind of kind of laying the groundwork as far as what we're going to really talk about on um on tomorrow's episode so you know one thing i was thinking about uh this is totally off topic but um anybody i guess that knows me knows that i like you know superman uh, and just i guess just comic book movies in general i don't know they just crossed my mind just now 
I don't it's kind of an awkward transition, but <laughs> like this is new show called Krypton, which if you don't know, that's, you know, Superman's home planet and all that. And they're doing a show on the sci-fi channel called Krypton, which is, you know, which will be about about that. Uh, yeah, I don't, it's just something that just really just came in, the, in my mind just right now. I just because it starts tonight and I can't wait to see it. I just want to watch it. Anything Superman, I just want to watch it. I'm not saying I'm going to automatically like it, but I'm going to at least give it a shot to watch it. Uh, I definitely like Smallville. I I got all the the seasons of Smallville, and um, yeah. So I don't know that that was just that just kind of kind of came out nowhere. But um, yeah. I you know, as always, I appreciate everyone listening, and as I said, I hope you know hopefully. You will tune in tomorrow to hear part two with Dr. Wakasey. And, you know, that's it for today. And until tomorrow, which is kind of weird to say sometimes because I'm so used to saying either until next week or something like that. Well, yeah, until tomorrow, we'll chat with you later. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Zero seven zero zero. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. 
Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today. 833-687-0700. 833-687-0700.